Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, 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 help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Anise, Justin, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at layman's.com, and that's L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, singing. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help, help the garden grow. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, singing. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden grow. Hey, folks, um, thanks for tuning in. Today we have the pleasure of Tom Fair, who's a local singer and songwriter, who actually wrote the Urban Homestead song that you, uh, that's at the start, yeah, every time at the start and the end of this podcast, and for over five years, um, joined us pretty much every Sunday for our Hoot Nannies, and uh, that was a a magical, uh, magical moments and memories for that, Um, so Tom, yeah, thanks for coming, and great to be here, again, (laughs) again. So yeah, we just um, wanted really to appreciate you writing the song, taking the time out, writing the song. It, it I don't know, what do you call it? Best it describes this <laughs> short musical <laughs> note. How what we want to be, how how we cut yeah. this far. Yeah, and we finally yeah. put it up on YouTube with the little music video. Yeah, I think so that you was said cool. that it was uh, stop writing music for a while, and that was one of the songs you've written. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your musical background. Yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> start me talking, man. Start me up. I'll never stop. So, yeah, I started listening to music, I think. I actually started performing music at the age of two and a half. Wow. My, uh, I grew up with my uh, mom's family and her sister in uh, New Jersey, in northern New Jersey, and they had these things that they were German immigrants, and they used to go out on weekends to a place called the Brow House, which basically means brew house. You know, it's a uh, restaurant with a bar, just like a lot of places we have around LA today. And um, I, because my grandfather in his apartment, he had this big walk-in closet, and there were stacks of old Deutsche Grammophon. That's the, the German um, mm-hmm. record company, Deutsche Grammophon Records, stacked up. And as a little kid, I used to like you know crawl over there and look at the labels, and they were just so pretty because they. They had uh, gold leaf lettering on them and everything. And, and most of those songs were in German, the big Deutsche Grammophon ones. So I only spoke German until the age of four, uh, five, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned some of these songs. And uh, when, I, when my family went on uh, Sunday over to the Brow House, they started bragging about, oh, Tommy sings these songs, you know, he knows all these songs. 
And so that the bartender says, well, stand him up on a chair, man, you know, like, let, let's hear him sing. So he sang the song, you know, Flug mit mir über die Heimat, fly over the homeland with me. And everybody went nuts, you know, and he goes and he gives me this little replica of a beer stein. It was only about an inch and a half high, painted blue ceramic, and he gives it to me. I had it for years, but I don't have it now. And at that age of two and a half, that was it. I said, man... This is it. I won't do this forever. It's like I'm, I'm, you know, pass out the bread. Here comes the bologna. I'm going to be a ham sandwich for the rest of my life. So, yeah. So I I did that, and um, it kind of got swallowed up, and you know, like things that happen. My mom passed away when I was three, and I have a younger brother, one and a half, and we got like shuttled around to all kinds of relatives. My dad was a, a merchant seaman sailing out of. San Francisco to the uh, Far East. So he wasn't around. We got back and forth until finally my mom's uh, mother and her husband took us in permanently. And I grew up in Bronx, New York. And that's where I discovered doo-wop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The rest is history. Well, <laughs> doo-wop was great. But, you know, that I, also the German uh, immigrants that my uh, aunt and uncle were very, very strict and um, authoritarian, and I couldn't like to listen to music after a certain time at night, you know. So the, in the late 50s, I, I was born in 47, so like the late 50s, we're getting into 56, 57, Elvis is coming out, I want to hear this music. And they started coming out with these little transistor battery-operated <laughs> radios that were only about the size of two decks of cards. So I got one of those, and I used to put it under my pillow. Mm-hmm. And I found that I'm not the only one yeah. <laughs> I was just reading, I'm reading a a biography of uh, Pete Townsend of The Who, and he talks about the same thing over in England, you know. Mm -hmm. So then I started listening to doo-wop and rock and roll radio, and that was was great. But um, I actually, my performing career as more of a teenager started when I, uh, this guy came to school. I remember his name was Jeff. I can't remember his last name, but he brought his guitar to school to social studies, and he started singing these American folk songs. And I'm like, whoa, man, this is so cool. But I didn't own a guitar, and I didn't have to figure any way of getting one. But when I was in my senior year of high school, um, a fellow that I knew real well named Warren Wilson, who lived in my neighborhood, I used to go over to his house, <coughs> and he had this wonderful guitar. It's, it's a classic Martin, yeah, hmm. I think, D whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a classic guitar that guitarists all think is the most, you know, one of the best ever made. And he used to let me play on it. And we listened to uh, records. We'd be up all night in his, uh, they had a basement apartment. He was living with his mother, who was a widow. And she used to work all night in this, uh, um, like a greasy spoon restaurant or something like that as a waitress. So she'd be out and we'd be able to do whatever we want, which unfortunately led to some <laughs> things like drugs, you know, but we won't talk about that too much. I got over that. Anyway, so we're listening to all these records and we had a few music books and some of the first songs that uh, I ever learned was from a Joan Baez record, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, the Lily of the West, mm, remember that song? Yeah. When first I came to Louisville, some pleasure there to find. A damsel there named Flora was pleasing to my mind. Something like that. A- anyway, we got to learn that. I learned the, the San Francisco Bay Blues by Jesse Fuller, who's uh, who was he was a local phenomenon. 
by the way, up in the Bay Area, San Francisco. He used to, to sing out there, and he was called the uh, One Man Band. You've probably seen the One Man Bands. Mm -hmm. He had so he had his foot rigged up mm -hmm. with a um, a cymbal and, and a drum. Yeah. He had the harmonica holder around his neck. He had his guitar. He had a couple other things going on, and he, he played them all like a like a they called one man band. Mm -hmm. So Jesse Fuller was one of my earliest influences, as a matter of fact. And what I'm doing today derives a lot from those first original uh, folk kind of songs that I've learned. Uh, down that basement apartment. So you eventually started a band, right? I mean, you started you were a band? I didn't start a band. You were in a band. I wasn't even in a band. Then, now, yeah, now today. Band. No, not back then. Yeah. I just like was basically a solo performer yeah. or a songwriter. I didn't even consider myself a musician. Mm -hmm. To me, it's even as, er, as late as maybe like 30 years ago when I first moved out here, to Southern California, I considered myself a songwriter who accompanied himself on guitar. And I really, I, I, I'm serious, I didn't think I was a musician. I was very self-depreciative in that, in that way. Until certain people said, hey, you know, yeah, you did it pretty good, you know. And I got my self-confidence. But uh, for those uh, early years, it was just like, mainly, I, I started working as a lyricist. And I can tell you about that, because that's how I got involved commercially in music and I have some history there that mm -hmm. goes back to the 60s when I, after I got out of high school I moved down to Greenwich Village in New York and they had music in, in Washington Square on Sunday afternoons and I would hang around there and I met people um, there, some people that were playing there locally ended up being like you know big phenomenon mm -hmm. uh, a couple of friends I had were in a, a group called the Blues Project and Al Cooper came out of that. He he ended up founding Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Mm -hmm. um, Dylan, of course, was around, although I never got to meet him. But all of the, those people were down there at that time. It was a very exciting, vibrant time, uh, as far as I can remember. You know, you have your. Everyone says, "Well, that was our." Those were our salad days. You know, <laughs> the days that we were young and everything was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. That was that was what happened for me. It was between maybe '64 to '69. Should I stop talking? Maybe sing a song. You yeah, know, if, you I could think of, if I could think of a song from those yeah. days. Um, well, the Kingston Trio was started there. Or what? You you did a lot of Kingston. I don't usually sing those songs those anymore. You know, days. during my my songwriting days, I've written over 1,500 songs. <laughs> Sometimes, like, it takes a while for them to come back to me. Well, there is one song that I wrote back then that was uh, based off of something that was becoming very popular at the time. It was old-timey music is what they called it. So it went back toward the 1910, 1920 in the United States. Um, Paul McCartney wrote a song called When I'm 64, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and we all loved that. Uh, there was a hit record called Winchester Cathedral, and uh, that was of the same style. So me and my uh, songwriting and musical buddies got together and started doing things like that. And here's one that I wrote, if I can uh, remember how it goes. It's called Gregory Park. It's about this imaginary little town. 
walking along in the morning time, cocking my ears when the church bells chime, thinking of someone I knew yesterday and the grassy part of town where we went to play. Dipping my feet in a cool clear pond, watching the sky till the sun was gone, running all day till my trousers were torn in the town where I was born. Gregory Park, Gregory Park, where I spent my young days. Nurses are wheeling their prams until dark while the organ grinder plays. Mrs. Corona is taking the sun, buggy rides are just in time, and the people all agree there's no place they'd rather be, it's a lovely way to spend your time. That's a short version, and there's another verse, but I, I don't want to take the chance of missing, losing the lyrics. So, so was, what year was that? Uh, it was like 67, 68, somewhere in there. And uh, that, that, by the way, was how I got my uh, introduction to the music industry. It happened when I was down at Greenwich Village. I had a friend who, even though he was like 18 or 17 or whatever, his mom had money and he was able to get his own apartment, which was like in those days amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. Teenager with his own apartment. He used to have these wild parties there. <laughs> uh, and a lot of people met and <coughs> um, kind of... There was this, uh, how do you put it, uh, crossroads, you know, going on like a local crossroads. One of the, uh, a guy that became really legendary was at a party one night sitting in a corner playing this old beat up guitar and making beautiful music with it. His name is John Hammond Jr. And um, for anybody that doesn't know, John Hammond was the junior, was the son of John Hammond Sr., who was the Columbia recording executive who brought, uh, let's see, Benny Goodman, he brought uh, Be Be Bessie Smith, uh, and then Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen all to Columbia Records. So this guy was a real music you know, lover and uh, a good executive. And he brought a lot of really great music to public uh, attention. So his son grew up listening to all these old, great old blues records. And even though he's a white guy, he sounds exactly <laughs> like an old black man from down south. Have you ever heard him? Yeah. Okay, and, and I love this guy. Actually, he's one of the two uh, musicians I ever paid to see in concert. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I generally think, like, since I can do it, I don't pay to watch, watch anybody it, else do it. it. Although, you know, I mean, I checked up on things on YouTube, and I, I've watched movies over the years. But uh, pretty much I feel like I'd rather be on stage mm -hmm. than sitting in the audience. You know, but uh, John Hammond was at this party, and this goes way back. I met a young guy in Greenwich Village in uh, a doorway, and we were sitting, <laughs> like, you know, messing, around, messing around with a guitar. Yeah, we met, mm -hmm. and, and he's singing this Rolling Stones song, and he's doing this, like, real rock, you know, kind of version. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. This song can be done like folk style. I was, like, really into the folk mm -hmm. music then. This book before I became a rocker, which, by the way, I did. But I said, okay, let's do it this way, you know, and let's do it. No, no, no. So we got to talk, and we became really good friends. And I invited him up to this place where they had parties all the time. And um, we won't go into the details, but we both ended up with the same girlfriend over a period of, like, you know, a few months. And... Uh, um, 
So he was a musician, and he happened to actually have a record out at the time. And he took us, and he took me and a couple of other people over to this recording studio on Broadway where a fellow named Mike Brown, his father, owned the recording studio. His father had played in the Philadelphia um, Orchestra with uh, Toscanini, so his father was like a well-respected musician in classical music, and he also was delved into jazz. So he decided, you know, to open his own studio. And his son, who was at the time at maybe 15, 16, he was hired as the gopher for the studio, you know, like he would clean out the ashtrays and do stuff. But he was also, had been trained in Brooklyn, where a lot of the, the musicians of that day came out of Brooklyn. Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond, Neil Sedaka, and Carol King. All this, Brooklyn was like this great breeding ground for these awesome pop musicians. So anyway, this guy Mike, he learned how to play piano there. And so when he had an opportunity, he would sit at the piano in the studio and work things out, but he couldn't think of words. You know, he needed lyricists. And I became one of the lyricists. But before that happened, he wrote a song with these two guys uh, who were what you would call Broadway regulars. You know, they go on Broadway in those days, there were certain buildings like the Brill Building, 1650 Broadway, where all the uh, aspiring songwriters would go. To, uh, try, to try to sell their songs. You know, only here, I want to sign a publishing contract to record my song. So these two guys were like that, and they came up and they met Mike, who was 16 probably at the time, playing the piano, and he had this great tune, and they wrote the words for him, and it was Walk Away Renee. Walk Away Renee became a top five national hit for the left bank. That was what they ended up calling the group. Uh, my friend that I met down in the village, he was the, the bass player and one of the singers in the group. And um, because I was there, when it all happened, when they needed lyricists, I started writing lyrics for their album cuts. Uh Mm -hmm. And that's how I actually got involved in the recording business. I'll tell you more. (laughs) By the way, folks, I'm taking a drink now. You may think it's easy to just talk and blue streak, but no, it takes a lot of energy. It's water. H2O. Well, so what year was that? Uh, that was 65, late 65. Their record came out in late 66. Uh, top five. It was actually recorded again in 67 or 1968 by the four tops and became a, a big hit all over again. So that particular song, um, Walk Away Renee, is, has something like over 100 versions mm-hmm. of it yeah. that you can find on YouTube by everybody from Linda Ronstadt to... Um, his, uh, What's a gal from the Bengals? Susanna Hoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's all types of covers of that song. So, yeah, so we were in the middle of something that was happening around that time, and I was like there, and I was kind of like the, the sixth wheel of a five person <laughs> group. Always there, writing the lyrics. Um, I met some incredible people. We have a thing out here in Southern California, like the history, the legendary. Um, Wrecking Crew, right? Now, the Wrecking Crew is these musicians mm-hmm. that played on just about every hit from those particular days, including the Beach Boys, you know, Jan and Dean and mm-hmm. the Righteous Brothers. They, old, the Wrecking Crew would back them up. And in New York, we had something similar, but we called them the Local 802 Musicians. They were, they were Musicians Union. 
but it was always seemed to be the same guys that came around. So really early on in my career as a, a songwriter, I got to meet some of these incredible people, you know. And uh, you would learn little tricks from them, as you know, like you're watching, and you're, what are you doing there? And they would tell, they were very happy to, to, to share what they were doing. So, um, went along, uh, the Left Bank made their first album, I had a couple of cuts on that as a, as a lyricist. Then the group kind of broke up, and uh, Tom Finn, who was the bass player in the group, who was my friend I originally met, he said, you know, we got to do something to keep this group together. So they got the three vocalists together, and Tom uh, got together with me and some other people to write enough songs to fill up a second album. And I ended up writing three songs for that album and playing guitar and piano on it. So basically that was my, my first, you know, I guess my internship as a musician. I never really thought, of, like I said, I never thought of myself as a musician, but I was actually playing on recording dates. And um, eventually, as you know, through the time I was in New York, I played in some of the biggest uh, recording studios in New York, including Capitol, um, RCA, uh, A&R, which is a very you know big uh, recording studio there, the Record Plant, the Hit Factory, you name them. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's like ancient history. Mm-hmm. Now. That's that's where it came from. Yeah. yeah, then you came out to California. Came out to California. No, 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 no. like a <laughs> years there. Oh, you got years. Woodstock? We oh, got yeah, Woodstock. Yeah, you yeah. went to Woodstock? Well, I, I was at Woodstock. Yeah. Um, I, there are many stories there, but we should save that for another time. <laughs> I know a guy at my... Because uh, this is PG. <laughs> well, there... There's a guy at the, at the um, SoCal uh, storage where I store some of my stuff who calls me, hey, here comes Woodstock. He wants to hear all of my stories. <laughs> Sorry, Woodstock. Okay, so, Look at that, just a vessel Woodstock. It, was, it was quite an event. And it, it's, uh, it's just plenty of it is G-rated. Yeah, so you know, I'm just joking. Okay, so what brought you out to California? California. Um, well, and into our backyard eventually. Yeah, I know, into our backyard. Well, let me well, see I if chased I you down the street. What I happened said, was I this. <laughs> I got involved in the, with the left bank. Then I ended up having one or two rock bands, which we, we don't need to go into right now. But when the rock band uh, kind of thing kind of fade, fizzled out, and you know everybody when they're in a rock band they want to be the top rock band on the planet, and so if it doesn't happen they break up. So you know, I had bands that we broke up, and I ended up going out by myself again. You know, you got your guitar and you go out and you play. And um, I started writing a lot. I even got involved with a, a company called Cash West Productions. They had been the uh, the producers of Jim Croce until he passed away. The uh, and they had their own record, record uh, production, publishing, and management company. And they wanted me to sign up to all of them. And I said, "What's this?" Yeah, you sign me up to. They said, "Look, well, um, we have a, a guarantee that any time you want to like break the contract, you can break it. If you're not satisfied with what we do." It's fine. You go, but nobody's ever done it. <laughs> Guess what? Guess who was the first you? one to broke the contract with you? It? Oh, well, like that's you're another silly. story I could tell you another time, too. But during those days, I was writing a lot of folky stuff. I was kind of thinking, well, now maybe I can get into the, you know, the Dylan groove and uh-huh. write something. You want to hear a song from yes, that please. time? Sure, that'd be awesome. Right. So I'll play a song from that time. This is called... Um, 
What is it called? Am I gonna play? What key am I gonna play? Okay, I'm gonna try to play in the key that I might, might, the high notes might squeak a little bit. <laughs> but it's called Despite Themselves. It's about this unusual uh, relationship. He was a policy salesman. He kept an office in his car. She was an armpit angel. Shaking in a go-go bar He was looking for a hole Where he could hide his pain She was trying for a suicide On Cop Out Lane And they did their business Behind a motel door He grew in a dim cafe By the corner where she worked She got it all started By playing with a button On his shirt just like a beggar with a brain with blues He reached for a hand, he put his elbow in the soup No waitress came over And he ordered self-pity for dessert They spent all night in a motor hotel When the morning came, they didn't hear the telephone And they fell in love Despite themselves Story behind that. I have autobiographer. Well, I have two or three different types of songs. Some of the songs are very like meaningful to me that come out of my own life and things I was doing. Some of them would like this one came out of just a desire to write like an exercise, you know, like an exercise in Mm -hmm. writing. I think I'll write a song like that, Mm -hmm. and so that would be more like uh, fictional. Okay. Mm -hmm. Although obviously you meet people and 
fiction always comes from real life. It's yeah. just kind of mixed up like a salad. Yeah. You know? But um, then the other, there was one other kind, and that was whatever I did, wherever I went, in whatever situation I found myself in, I would write for the people and the places and the activities that were happening. You know, so like when I got involved with the Left Bank, everything was Baroque rock. They, they were considered to be Baroque rockers. So I wrote fancy chords. I didn't even, I, even to this day, I don't understand some of the stuff that I wrote. Te- theor- theoretically, you know, it was just really fancy and pretty and a lot of poetry to the lyrics. When I got involved in rock bands, I wrote about like rock and roll and I wrote about fast cars, you know. And uh, I got involved with, you know, drugs. There was a little bit of that involved in there, although I kind of tried to keep away from that because I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good thing for musicians to go out and set a bad example for other people. You know, just simple as that. I think you, you, you're in a position where a lot of uh, millions, uh, you know, potentially people are going to be watching you, and it's up to you to lead the way to a better life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that was one of the things that drew me to the urban homestead, because that's what Jules was doing. He was mm-hmm. leading people to a better life. The path to freedom. Yeah. It's like rang a bell with me immediately. Which is interesting because we can go back to 1975, just about the time for this last song, when I wrote a song called um, Sunshine Road. Mm-hmm. And Sunshine Road at that particular time was my idea of uh, a place you could go to which just things were just good, you know. There was there was there was no criminals. <laughs> there was no like field guns aimed at you know anybody. There, there was no pollution in the air. So in other words, fictional. Fictional place. <laughs> well, you know, there there's a, there's a kind of a philosophical Fantasy question there because is is this kind of thing more real or is it more fictional? Mm-hmm. If if when I go up in the mountains and I, I uh, hike a lot or I have I've been kind of tapered off in the last couple of years but I there was a time when I hiked every Sunday all day long up in the uh, San Gabriel Mountains beautiful and I go back there you know and after a while first of all I I turn my cell phone off put it in a backpack wouldn't look at it um, it didn't didn't work anyway I've always had low tech you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, it, the funny thing was, you would see people sometimes up there with these headphones on. You go, "Why are you it going up in the mountains? Ma- Why are you going up in the mountains? <laughs> if they are just to get away from all." Yeah, this, it was, uh, you know? we went to a waterfall, and yeah. the guy sat down, turned on the radio, and Dad was Turned just on like, the rap music. Well, there you go. Dad you're just one. like, I remember, he just like, "Why you in a waterfall?" So, so you're one of those. Yeah, we're <laughs> one of those. Get away from it, you know. Like you know, don't bring it with you. Goes, there's a waterfall. Exactly. <laughs> you can't bring the waterfall here. Why do you bring the cell phone? in the, the, the radio. Radio, the radio there. But, you know, if, what, what happens for me, and I notice this, and probably happens for a lot of people, I get started, and I get, I do it early because I want to spend the whole day out there. I don't like sleeping at overnight in the mountains. I'm sorry. <laughs> My kids were in the scouts, and I went on a couple of scouting trips, and we went like sleep, in sleeping bags night, and the rock's under my... <laughs> Back, man. I just, you want to hear something really funny? We had a scout master or scout mistress or whatever. She was the head of the pack, and her name was Jean. I still know her. Um, so she would take all the kids up there, and um, and, we, and the parents would come, the number of the parents would come, and we'll all, okay, so we get out the, you know, 
the, the little whatever they call them, those sterno stoves yeah. and whatever, and everybody make their food and then we'd pack bed down for the night and Jean would say bye. She would go off to a <laughs> motel <laughs> and stay at the motel. She didn't have nothing to do with it. I think I said, but hey, look, she was, the, she was the responsible executive. She put it all together. She had the right to, to give herself a little okay. tarp, you know. And I, I don't blame her in, in a way, but, you know, I, what I like is day trips. And I would take a day trip and walk all over there. There's this place called the Idle Hour Trail. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's back pretty. there. I've walked that trail for, I don't know, two to three hours and seen maybe three other people. Yeah. On it. It's, it's like not, on the backside. Yeah. I've forgotten little, little. Yeah, people don't use it that mm-hmm. much anymore. It's so beautiful. And what would happen back there is you totally lose track of time. Mm-hmm. Time does not exist. You know, like you're down in the city, and I think, oh, we might have passed you on some oh, of those yeah. walks. <laughs> I, and even when I'm coming down here on the bus, oh, what if I missed the bus? Yeah, I, I was on a bus that I almost missed today because the the girl that drove the bus, I think, was like kind of a substitute. And generally speaking, the Metro uh, LA comp- bus company, they want the drivers to be anywhere between one minute late and five minutes late. If they're early, what happens is people go, because they have these time points where they're timed. If they're early, then people who come the last minute have to watch them driving away. And it's not fun. I know because this happened to me a couple times. Some of these buses only run once an hour or once every 40 minutes. And this particular day on my way down here, I was only waiting for two minutes, which means to me, because I was there, what I call early. I was going to have plenty of time to sit and wait. So I thought, wait, it took her two minutes to get from there to there. That should take like about five to seven minutes. She was running ahead. The bus company frowns on that. They don't They don't like that. You can be late, but you can't be early. <laughs> on the other hand, some drivers are like 20 minutes late. That don't go too. either. Yeah. So you said you wrote a song. Is that the Sunshine Road that you mm. were going to sing? Sunshine Road, yeah. Now let's see. I guess I'll try in this key here. What happens to these songs over the years, you know, your voice kind of like starts to sag a little bit into it. Like everything else. Like the rest else. of yourself? Yeah. 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 Sorry about all so, of us. But there, there are some songs, some notes that I can still hear. Very, very You have seen, yeah, you can. Especially. Sherry, yeah. <laughs> I think you did Sherry. one time. Yeah, well, especially the doo-wop, the falsetto. Yeah, you, you know, can. My falsetto is still working, but this one doesn't use that. So let's go to Sunshine Road. There's a place where we can go where people are happy and red grapes grow. Hands are always busy and faces glow. Everything goes just like it's planned because everybody's ready to lend a hand and friends are as good as gold on Sunshine Road. I've been putting my pennies in a jar, saving my money for a new guitar. Practicing just about every song I know. Cause I wanna join that happy band. Fit as a fiddle in the middle of the land. Come on, come on, let's go to Sunshine Road. And you can live there too. We'll make some room for you. I got it wrong. I got the words to the middle section. You see what happens? Nobody will know. No, you know we, are you kidding? Everybody's listening. Just pick it up. Just pick it up. 
got love to spare, the kind we all can share. I want to take you there, so come along, and you can live there too. We'll make some room for you. All you really gotta do is learn this happy song. Down by the river we meet the ship, just coming from an ocean trip. Let's go over and help the crew unload. Mechanical toys for the boys and girls, letters and food from around the world. Thank you for bringing them home to Sunshine Road. Out in the woods there's a bubbling pond, hurry and put your overalls on. We'll go down and talk to that fat green toad. Nothing ever beat the tales he tells He'll go on till the supper time hell See you tomorrow, Toad On Sunshine Road And there's a telephone line That doesn't cost a dime It's open all the time It's everyone And there's a government, too That isn't anywhere in view But I'll give you a clue It's run by the sun Left, that's Reverend John Fell asleep with his radio on I hear tell he's 109 years old He can disappear right here on the spot You can call it magic, but it's really not It's just the way things go On Sunshine Road Evelyn Murray, that's her over there Turning cartwheels high in the air Getting ready for Saturday's aerial show Oh, she can disappear Education and recreational levitation and other things you don't know on Sunshine Road. And you've got room to spare, kind we all can share. I want to take you there, so come along. And you can live there too. We'll make some room for you. All you really gotta do is learn this happy song. There's a place where we can go Where people are happy and red grapes grow Hands are always busy and faces glow Everything goes just like it's planned Cause everything's ready to lend a hand And friends are as good as gold On Sunshine Road Come on, come on, let's go To Sunshine Road Sunshine Road I've got a captive audience, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, so, had, we, had, we had fun singing with you on the Hootenannies. Uh-huh. You'd always get into the, you'd always get the, the musication. Yeah, you'd is. always get the people singing along to the old songs, you know, that people hadn't heard in a while. Um, you'd bring out, drudge up things like, oh, wow, I hadn't, I, I hadn't heard in a while, too. So those, I so still have them. go back to, there's a little gap there, how... You met us. Yeah, how'd you come yeah, to the homestead? I remember, I just will tell my little well, brief story because I remember the little gathering in the front yard and cultivating this thing and I think Jimmy was there mm-hmm. and Jimmy said some friend of his is stopping by, right? And so I think it was like Jimmy and some guy Luis and maybe Dwayne was there and I'm like sitting in the front and everybody's like has a back to the road because this was started in the front yard and I, for some reason I think I was sitting on the porch and I see this guy 
Sorry, white guy. <laughs> in our neighborhood, it's not very common. With a guitar, <laughs> the guitar. And he has a guitar on his back, and he's hoofing it up the street, like, looking back and forth, looking. And I'm like, Jimmy, I think that's your friend. And he didn't hear me. I said, Jimmy, I think that's your friend. And you were, like, happy up the street. And I'm, like, running after him, like, excuse me? Excuse me? Are you looking for the musicians? You're like, yes, where am I? <laughs> that's what I think you told me. I'm like, it's down here. You're like, what? Uh, yeah. He's like, I'm looking for this venue. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's backtrack a little bit, and I'll tell you, I actually came to be walking down this street. <laughs> Okay. I, now, I moved out here uh, back in 86, something like that. It was four little kids. Of course, they're all grown up now. You've met most of them. Uh, and it took a few... I, I started working as a carpenter, cabin maker, and all this other stuff. But eventually, I got back into music, and I found that I had I made a career for myself teaching music in uh, different uh, private schools and homes. And uh, at some point, I had, there was this, uh, I'm trying to think of how you can hook all this stuff together. Anyway, one of the things that happened while I was teaching music is I found out that a lot of the kids I would work with, now they were between 5 and 15 years old, you know, and some of them I would expect knew some American history. So I would... Um, I could bring out a song like, you know, um, I got a mule and her name is Sal, 15 miles on the Erie Canal. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, I better tell them what the Erie Canal is. We're out in California. Erie Canal was back in New York, 1825. So I said, you, you, you ever hear of the Erie Canal? No, no. You know what a canal is? No. So I had to teach them how a canal was built, why it was built, how the locks work, and why the mule was there, and all this other stuff. And I found myself teaching history as a, in addition to teaching music. And this happened time and time again with all kinds of stuff. I would teach things about colonial days, you know, and then back in through the 1800s. So um, eventually that became just kind of part of my life. I, you know, I would be singing the song and I'd tell the story behind the song. Now, just moving ahead a little further, I, I saw a, um, this goes back about 2005, I think. I saw a video on YouTube by a guy named Fran Snyder. And Fran Snyder is a songwriter who I think was at that time based in the San Francisco area. And he was promoting um, house concerts. And he had these great videos. But, you know, you'd see people all like nice and snug in somebody's mm -hmm. living room and have these like singer-songwriter concerts on says, Boy, I want to do that. So I, as, as a teacher, I had actually... Uh, met a lot of people, very wealthy, affluent people who had big homes. So I thought, okay, so I'm going to email everybody and tell them I want to do house concerts. Who wants to do one? I sent out 20, 20 like who I thought would really potentially do it. One person got back to me out of these 20, and that was my friend Linda Tourget. Uh, who lives down in South yeah. Pasadena. She was now. actually a farm stand customer, too. Well, yeah, yeah well, yeah, it, it turned out. I didn't know that, but she was a farm stand customer here. But Linda uh, and her three children were all music students of mine at one point. So we had a really like tight relationship. And her her uh, husband is a blues player and a, like a an art visual artist, and they're great people, awesome. So I started doing these these house concerts down house concerts down there, and eventually I moved over my musicational themes in there where I would teach a little bit of, and we started doing music through the years of American history 
one day, Dave, her husband, comes. He says, look, I'm going to have to, like, uh, work on the foundation. He was a foundation man, or he is still. And he said, we're going to have to just stop having the concerts for a while. And I'm going, what am I going to do? It was right about that time that my friend Jimmy Amagishi, <laughs> who I met through the songwriter, you know, Super. network here in uh, Southern California, comes up to me and he says, he says, hey, you know, you know how Jimmy is, yeah. you know. And he says, uh, <laughs> the Dervais family's having, like, these uh, musical uh, gatherings on their front yard and front porch. And I go, Dur what? <laughs> Dervais? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> you guys have been living here for, like, 25 years already, right? Yeah, we were. And I was living up there for, uh, I don't know how many we were years. Farmers. We, we probably, I said, we yeah. probably passed you on the trail or saw you in the... Away. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So the first time I came down here, there was Jimmy, there was Dwayne, there was Donna B, mm-hmm. there was Calvin, and there was a fellow with uh, snow white hair from South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a calcium. He was with the, what's this, uh, Claremont. Claremont, Claremont yeah. yeah, he sang mm-hmm. these great, like, uh, traditional songs. folk songs. Mm-hmm. And so we got together and we started doing little things here in Nam. That was great. I liked that. And then I was gone for a couple of weeks. I don't know what happened, but I didn't come down. And the next time I came down Sunday afternoon, the, the front porch was empty. There, there was in the front yard. There was nobody there. And I'm going. I think I knocked on a door and I wanted it. But what's going on? Oh, oh, oh no! It got so popular we had to like open up the backyard. And suddenly there's this whole like outdoor cafe and you know I mean it was like it just blossomed. Yeah. It it was overnight. It just kind of happened organically. I'm, now. Yeah. Yeah, now I gotta tell you, you, you heard Sunshine Road, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna tell you another little story that, that links in with this because in 2005, the same year that I started getting interested in house concerts, I had written up something called the Safety Zone. It was like I was writing like um, essays about what I, like the arts and society and why I think should happen and how we could fix this up and how we could fix that up. And I, it would bothered me that because I've been working with these little kids that you couldn't take, you had, there were places where you couldn't take kids. There'd be music there, but they couldn't go because there was alcohol, there was potential of drugs being sold in the back, and, you know, it was dark and dirty. And, you know, and I said, so this is not good. I'm going to invent a place. So I decided to invent this place called the Safety Zone. And I even had a building picked out in uh, Hollywood, but... I couldn't get enough people to fund it to make it, you know, to actually open it up. But the idea was it would be a building, and in uh, on the ground floor there would be a big performing space. There would be a little book record store in there, and there would be uh, a place where they served organic food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and upstairs would be publishing company offices and recording and stuff like that. So it'd be like a miniature music mm-hmm. uh, or one, arts, one stop, music yeah, and arts stop, thing. Yeah. And it was going to be called a safety zone because there would be no drugs, there would be no criminality, no, you know, no, no like, like bad examples for, no what? Alcohol. Oh, I thought you said rock and roll. No, I Rock and roll's the devil. That's, my, that's, that's one of my other songs, right? You know, I'm the Lord, I love my rock and roll, but I don't need no alcohol. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I came up with this whole idea and I, I, I had this this one client who thought it was great and she kind of encouraged me but it never came about and I said man I just would, if there was only a place like this I walked back <laughs> in here and it was all here it wasn't you know, I could, as fancy and commercialized as I had kind of imagined mm-hmm. in my mind you know but it was organic. a little bit raw a little yeah, bit organic it was all here and it was here because people wanted it 
You, something like this doesn't, you can't plan it. You can't say, in 10 years, we're going to have this place yeah. and there's going to be like 50 people coming in on a Sunday night mm -hmm. and we're going to sing all these great songs. It, it doesn't work. It's sort of like, this is what we wanted to do. And so the just urban... made the room and it happened. Yeah. I mean, the urban Build homestead was already here. Mm -hmm. The garden was mm -hmm. here. The front porch was here. Mm -hmm. You were we doing were all here. that. <laughs> you were here. Mm -hmm. You loved music. And, and somehow... Dwayne had a lot to do with it, I'm sure, because yeah. he's kind of a And also uh, no, no microphones. No microphones. Acoustic? Yeah, yeah. Acoustic. Yeah. Insisted on no microphones. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't hurt its feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, speaking of microphones, I have to say, because like I said, we don't have much time, but um, the one of the mics that we are using for this podcast, the uh, Ear Trumpet it's Lab, courtesy is courtesy of Tom Fair. He, did some, he did some fundraising at, at the certain hoops and uh, told people to donate for this mic because we would use it for the concerts, which you put on also at the homestead. So, uh, like I said, that's Thanks for that. For that. And, mm -hmm. We're using that mic here. So go back to your story, because like I said, I wanted to put that, that was in. A commercial break. That was a commercial break. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good commercial. Very good. Shorter the better. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, how are we doing? We, we, got a lot we have of about 20 minutes. So, oh, we yeah. have too much time. Yeah, right. so I think you said you had a couple songs, too. Um, and like I said, how, you know, and you wrote the Urban Homestead song. Um, you also did a bunch of concerts here, yeah. a dozen or so? Or yeah, what? I wrote the Urban Homestead song as uh, um, inspired by the Hoots, the Sunday mm -hmm. Night Hoots. It was just like, that. like I said, it had these different types of songs. Some of them come out of my own life, and that mm -hmm. one just came out of my own life. It was like, this needs to be sort of... Um, documented you know musically somehow needs, I, I've done that kind of thing I wrote, I wrote a song for the post office called Write a Letter I've written a song for the libraries when my kids were they were doing a little puppet show in the, in the LA libraries back when they were younger and so everything I got involved in I would tend to write like a, a theme song of some type so that was done here and then of course your dad came to me one day after I guess the Hoots had been going on less than a year it was uh, in the spring and he said well I'm thinking of doing some uh, Saturday night concerts you know hmm okay so I think mine was the first concert if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm, yeah. it was a Dylan did mm -hmm. all Dylan Lauren Hart mm -hmm. Dueling Dylans mm -hmm. is that your idea? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you call it Dueling Dueling Dylans. Dueling Dylans. we called it DD one, two, three, and 4 I did 4 in 4 years yeah, uh -huh. And um, that was actually fun. It was sort of like having Dylan standing at your shoulder, you know, saying, okay, yeah. these guys are all right. <laughs> People would come in that the name attracted them, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then you did a bluegrass. Uh, we did, a ser we did several, uh, several mountain music mountain concerts. Music. One Carter of them was family. a bluegrass. One of them was Carter strictly family. the Carter family, which was the best yeah. attended mm -hmm. of all. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't rained that one night, yeah. we probably yeah. we had we sold out back to the, the yeah. In the <laughs> And then you did a Civil War one. We did a Civil War. That was that music was 150 civil, years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. And then the, also you did Valentine. Yeah, yeah then you did the Fabulous 50 for our Valentine. Fabulous 50s Valentine's concert, mm -hmm. love songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there, a lot of, this was a, a great uh, opportunity for creativity for musical artists. You know, it's just uh, something that I'm kind of glad that we moved into the mm -hmm. ether, the the you know onto the internet with it <laughs> on on the line reach people yeah. on the line because we had people tuning in from all over I mean people would shout out and your concerts are still there online, yeah they're online you can view yeah. them you can view their your concerts you can see the Hugh Nannies, um the ones that were streamed 
Um, and like I said, people were tuning in from all over. And then I, and you, you know, this week you posted, you know, that you were going to be on the podcast and like one of the pictures you shared, you said, you know, you're looking forward to be on the podcast. Yeah. But, and the, the picture of the stage was pretty impressive. People, and like I said, you said three of the people in this photo are no longer here. So yeah, we that's pretty. Yeah, we said goodbye to a lot of folks. Yeah, yeah so. They were, yeah, and one of them you started a band with, uh, Rob. Brian. Yeah, at yeah. Home AGM, and, and that was um, that was something you're still doing too. You you know kind of yeah, I'm still were born here in our backyard. You assembled the people that that came here, and then you then worked toward that. Um, yeah, well, currently I just uh, trying to make a living <laughs> yeah. performing. Yeah. My my living was made for 20 years, ease of over 20 years as a teacher. Mm -hmm. But over things change, you know, and I don't have the amount of students I once had. Mm -hmm. And um, I've never really made a whole lot of money mm -hmm. in performing mm -hmm. specifically, mm -hmm. but I love performing. And mm -hmm. so we have this group uh, called Homemade Jam, which is actually the third version mm -hmm. of the same name group <laughs> but in uh, currently I'm doing a lot of things from the 20s and 30s and we're working in some uh, R&B from the uh, so 40s and 50s yeah how do you find out about your band uh, www.homemadejammusic.com mm -hmm. and that's homemade h-o-m-e-m-a-d-e you know, are you doing Tin Can Alley mostly? Oh, uh, it depends. It depends on the venue. Like on Wednesday night, we're going to be down here in Old Pasadena at the um, Edwin Mills, and they're a, more of a restaurant with a bar, and they like uh, they like the it's softer stuff, mm -hmm. so we kind of lean toward that light jazzy thirties, twenties, thirties stuff. I'm not going to let you leave this podcast without the Earth Boy song. Yeah, it's so promised to me. Yeah, the, the Earth Boy song. Oh, we got to do Earth Boy. Yeah. yeah, it was promised to me, and you're not and leaving the podcast without it. We'll get a live performance I, of I intend to sing it. Well, as a matter of fact, I should probably sing it now yes. because I'm, my tongue is getting tired of talking. Yes. We got about less than 10 minutes anyway, so mm. I'm going to. <clears throat> I wake up bright and easy to the bird songs on the wind. Quiet Sunday morning just before the day begins I play my part in nature's plan with every song I give I'm an earth boy and I've just begun to live I smile at friends and neighbors who treat me very well As we ride out every year upon Seasons carousel And sometimes after parties I just like to walk alone I'm an earth boy And this whole world is my home I could fly across the tides of space But I'd be yearning soon To see a blue-green face Above the mountains of the moon I 
Just an earth boy, but this world belongs to me. Yeah, boy, that goes back a long way. Yeah, that's a nice one. So I know, and I remember when you wrote the Urban Homestead song and you performed it here at the Hootenanny, and then you actually wanted to record it in a studio, and you asked, you know, us to come and record there in studio and so we had you know Jordy, Jordan myself and then Dwayne who now passed and Rob now passed there so when people listen to that song there are two people um, that um, have passed this year and who are on that song and so they you know live on in memory that way and um, you know dad always enjoyed that song you know got people you know to sing along and, 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 you know, told like what, what the homestead was about. Cause some people didn't know what the homestead was about. So, um, so, you know, before I like, didn't know what the homestead no, was about I know. until we came down here. <laughs> yeah. So we have a time for a couple more. I don't know if you want to, um, I know, sing another one of your songs. And then, um, another thing is, you know, just maybe in memory of all that we've lost this year, you know, Rob and Elise Sandiford, Dwayne Thorne, and of course our dad, Jules Dervais Jr is to maybe uh, do a, end it with a sing-along that we can sing with you. Because, you know, our part was always singing with you guys. Right. So yeah. we would come out, you'd say, hey, girls, come out and, and sing this with me. Then he would stop singing and have us. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you'd be like, what? You can't do that. Stop singing. <laughs> or we did the hand jive. You had us doing the hand jive, which was like, that was very hard for us to do. <laughs> and then, yeah, and you would pull out these, um, you know, you'd hand out the lyrics to all these old songs. Um, and, and those were fun. Those were fun. That got, you know, audience participation. So, yeah. like I said, we have probably time for two more. So, if new one, do one more original and then maybe one sing-along that we could sing to end, yeah. the, end the thing. So, Sure. Okay. okay. How about a song about food? Okay, <laughs> food. That's right. Cause Since this place has a lot to do with food. food yes. There you go. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if any of you people out there in uh, listening land <laughs> have seen the pictures in the backyard in the... the the, the greenery that's growing back there. It's a jungle. I, think I saw a picture of, of Justin. He was dwarfed by the plants. Yeah. And Justin isn't exactly a teeny weeny person either. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about food. And I, there, uh, since I had four little kids out here and they were growing up, they were going to school, I got involved in uh, singing songs about family values, things I wanted to teach my kids, you know. And one of them was eating right, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I find out, and I think this goes way back to the '70s, even when I was back in New York. A lot of parents had tried to tell their kids to eat right; they don't do it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have I tried to keep to this, but um, I'm not always that perfect. But I still think it's a good rule of thumb. It's called "I Want to Eat Right." <laughs> Take me down to the fast food place today. Oh, it's time to put that fast food life away. Oh, I want carrots and cheese and eggs instead. Bananas and peas and whole wheat bread. Roasted chicken from 
It's funny, you can talk to kids like two, three, four, five years old, something they learn how to talk. You tell them things like, okay, I would tell them, drugs, drugs, man, that's poison. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't feed your body, doesn't make you grow, it just kills people. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> ABC, there's nothing to it. So, it, probably the best programs that exist for, you know, drug uh, prevention is to get kids when they're young and just do things like that and make it interesting for them. So I have songs like that too, you know, like about staying away from drugs. So. Cool. So yeah. definitely yeah, a so difference with your music. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I uh, touched a lot of people. Made a lot of memories yeah. and a lot of friends. I, yeah. Yeah, I, have a, I'm a good friend. His name is Michael Roberts. He, you may have actually seen him. He's an actor. And he played the, the part of Rooster on, um, what was that old t- uh, t- television detective thing? Uh, I, can I can remember him, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the show. Mm-hmm. Beretta. Beretta. Oh, right. Anyway, he played, he played the part of Rooster. And, and his daughter was one of the background singers on one of, my, um, one of the recordings I did back in the early 90s. Anyway, he came up to me one day. He said, you know something? He said... When I get in a car, I turn on the radio, I sometimes find myself singing along to something I don't agree with because it's got really good rhythm and it's really, you know, it's it's artistically put together. And he said, what I like about you is you take these messages and you do the same thing with them. You make them so that people can't have to pay attention, you know. And I, I was really proud of that. I thought, go ahead. It's actually communicating the way I want it to, you know. And it was coming from a, a really good... Good artist, you know, he's a really good actor. So, yeah, we're probably wrapping up on time. Um, we want to thank Tom Farrigan for coming out today and sharing your yeah, tunes part, and stories. Part of the story. I know part of the story. We, we could probably have a lot more. more. Hey, you guys aren't going to sing But we are, so I wanted, to, I wanted to say what one more time where people can find you, and then we'll we'll end it with a sing-along. Home Jam Music? Yeah, so Home Jam Music. Uh, you can find me, yeah, you can find my current group at homemadejammusic.com 
H O M E. Homemade. Okay, it's so a home and then made. H O M E M A D E. Music. Jam. Homemade jam music. music. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> you better. We'll put it on the podcast. We'll put it on the podcast. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you can find Facebook, him on Facebook. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him. Or you can go to Tom Fair Music yeah, on YouTube. Uh-huh. It's just Tom Fair, T O M F A I R Music uh-huh. on YouTube. And you can and go to YouTube. A number of videos there. Yeah. Things I've done. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Robin okay, Holmes said so you'll find and his yes. face everywhere there. Oh, yeah. no. All the videos, all the concerts. Your concerts. So, yeah, we'll. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. It is a uh, Sunday. We're and I think uh, we should uh, sing along just to which one? for everyone. Okay. For everyone. Well, Tom, will tell us which one, and we'll sing with them. First ones that came to mind was this uh, song that the Carter family popularized called uh, Take "Worried Man Blues." Takes a worried man, sing a worried song. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I don't. There's a lot of them I don't sing anymore. I've got to like concentrate on the mm-hmm. stuff that I'm. We're just performing. doing one. Don't worry about it. But you, It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. I'm worried now, but I won't be worried long. I went across the river and I fell down to sleep. I went across the river I fell down to sleep. Since we sang together, yeah, so we'll have to keep doing that again. So, all right, thank Come you. Come back and share the rest of your stories. Yeah, well, part two. 
to sing two. a couple songs. I know you have a lot of songs to sing. What you need to do is get a convention of people from all over mm-hmm. that listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. have them all come down to Pasadena mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. and then we're and all here, and, 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 and have them all sing along. <laughs> we have go. plenty of tunes yeah. for them. Yeah. We'll put that on the to-do list. All right. Yeah. So it's a wrap. So um, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for the song. Thanks for the Urban Homestead song. And thanks for coming out today. All right. All right. Y'all come back. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. We've come to the end of this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in again. Until next time, this is Annie, Justin, Jordan. Keep on growing. Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.